Welcome everybody to the precedent minds of the Mavericks. My name is Amina, your host, and I'm so excited. You guys know I'm always excited, but this week is super exciting for me because I've wanted to speak to August Regal for so long and it's happening. Just diving into his story. August has penned some of the biggest songs by the biggest artists, but his journey has not always been smooth. And he really, really dives into that with us today. It's so amazing because he's really about pushing forth culture and seeing people grow. He wants the next, he wants to help out the next generation. And that's exactly what he does today by telling us about all of the struggles that he's faced. So let's get into it with August Rigo. I like to start every conversation with how do you define success for yourself? Oh man, it has changed over the years. Um, when I first started, it was about, you know, making mo- making a lot of money and, you know, being rich and famous and being in the in crowd and, you know, going to the parties and having access. Um, now, here we are like 10 years removed, for, for 10 years later from my first deal. And all I want to do, like my idea of happiness is, is so much closer than I thought it would be now. Like, you know, it's, it's really just to be able to provide, you know, a, a nice lifestyle for my family, yeah, and be and be financially comfortable, and and leave and to be able to leave something for my daughter. So it's really simple, like, and music is now as much as it's it's still as you know as much a part of me as everything, but I can compartmentalize that section of myself now. And on, you know, so I'm, I'm a little less emotional about the music industry and the music that I'm doing, even though I'm still immersed in it. I am the way I'm approaching the music is a little more. Yeah. I don't know. Realistic. I, you know, it comes from more happened. like of a pure place, would you say? Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not out here like, like busting my ass trying to trying to be cool with people so I could do records for them. You know, I'm, I'm at a place where I'm cool. And if you want to do records with me, that's fine. I, I, you know, but I, I'm doing what I need to do. I'm any, everything I'm doing right now is for my family. You know, everything that I have right now is for my family. So the, the music now is a secondary thing to what my, what is best for my family. So as soon as the music becomes, not so what, what's best for my family, you know, I'm gonna have to pivot a little bit, but you know, music, music is my first love. And I've been lucky enough to, I've ha- I have this saying that you need two jobs at all points to one to pay your d- bills and one to pay your dues. Yeah. And I've been lucky enough that the job I've been doing to pay my dues is paying my bills. Yeah. Um, which is great. So, I mean, yeah, happiness for me, success for me, it's, it's success, right? Success yeah. for me being able to provide for my family doing music, and that's what I'm. That's what I'm doing now. So we can just wrap up here. That was perfect. That was perfect. Yeah. I love that. I guess that. you can call that success, right? Yeah, and it's so funny you say that because me and my friends actually recently had this conversation. There's this video going around right now. Offset, he's at the complex. Like he's at Fight Club for like the sneaker thing, and he spends like thirty thousand dollars on like twenty pairs of sneakers or something like that. Like something like that. 
gives his credit card, doesn't have anything on his face. And everybody's like, yo, like what a life. And I was like, I think there's a difference between being financially stable and maybe even a little bit better off versus being rich. Cause at the point of where you're rich, you're hoarding money. Yeah. There's no, there, there's nothing else to attain essentially. And then I feel like all those people probably want to go back to having a family or being cool with people like people's company. Cause at the end of the day, I think that is one of the greatest feelings yeah. to me. Like I break down life as music, food, and company. The three to me. Mm-hmm. What else could you so want? Here's, like? here's, here's the thing. Uh, the concept I think is, it's called a paradigm of choice, right? Yeah. So the music industry, especially, or anything in the entertainment industry, you get privy to a lot of things that you wouldn't normally see. Yes. You, an absurd amount of wealth, um, ridiculous situations, and and excess. And once you see that, if you can't put that into perspective and reel yourself in, you know that becomes your reality. And all of a sudden, you know, having a BMW, for example, is like, oh, I just have a BMW. Whereas ninety percent of the world is like, yo, I wish I had a BMW. Yeah. Right. Um, you've got you know, you've got diamond chain, you've got a, you've got a gold chain on and then you see somebody with a diamond encrusted gold chain. Yeah. Oh, I want that. I need to get to 100%. that level. Yeah. Um, it, it, it happens in, it's like a, that's like a, it's a theme in, in the music industry. I find like when I first started, I was like, oh, I want to get, I want to land a single. Yeah. No, first I want to land a placement. You get a placement. Oh, I want two placements. You get another one. Oh, I want the single. I want the album. I want yeah. a number one. I want a platinum plaque. I want a dime plaque. It, there's, there's ne- it never ends. There's always more wants. It's, it's that, that's the paradigm of choice because once you see it, you can't unsee it. Um, I've been up and down so much in my yeah. life. Like I've had, you know, I've had money. I've, I've gone to zero, like lit a literal zero, like have to oh. borrow money to pay rent three or four times in my in this decade, like from 2010 to 2020, I've had to like literally borrow money to pay rent. Yeah. So I'm, I'm not lucky enough, but maybe I am. I was lucky enough to have that experience to understand, to, to gain perspective. You yeah. Know, I know friends who have kicked, been kicking ass since fucking 2010 and are miserable. Absolutely. Right? I'm miserable. Uh, I'm I'm chilling. Like I'm having a good time Amazing. making make good time making music and meeting people and um you know helping the new generation of producers and songwriters, you know, come up and you know teaching teaching what I know but also like learning from like the new kids cuz they are Absolutely. It's a young man's game and if you ain't tapped in with them it's it's really really over for you. 100%. Wow, there's like so much you've unpacked there. And like, I'm like, wait, where should I start? I I want like, let's start from the beginning, right? Like, I think you've credited your parents taste in music as to like as your influence, right? Like you've spoken about Air Supply before, I've heard you speak of Mariah, Whitney. Yeah. Then you got yourself into Voice to Men, Jodeci, because I think that is a good gateway into them, right? That world. Um, Were your parents cool with you pursuing music? My mom wanted me to be a doctor. Of course. Um, my dad didn't want me to be anything but responsible. Wow. Like, okay. You know what I mean? Like my dad, he never, he didn't, he didn't push me in a direction to be something. He was like, you should do good in school. Do yeah. well in school. It would be nice if you were good in math. I was good at math. 
I take he takes pride in his you know math yeah. math <laughs> ability. So I I was good at math. Like I try to be good at math. You know. 100%. Um, my mom wanted me wanted me to be a doctor, but they were there what they would say because that's what they you know that's what everybody wants their son or yeah. their daughter to be a doctor or something you know like one of those professions especially yeah. immigrant parents yeah but their actions spoke totally differently you know they they encouraged me to jump on stage they wow. they um they were very like i want a piano lessons yo you get piano lessons you want to play baseball you play baseball you want to go you know even into my college years you know we weren't we didn't have you know we didn't have a lot of money and college was expensive. Oh, you want to study music? Go study music. Okay, go. So, you know, yeah, my mama would say, I want I want you to be a doctor, but they wanted me to be happy. A hundred percent. But it's a, a very, hard pill to swallow, I think, because it's for a lot of immigrant households. Literally, what you whatever you just said is a mirror of what my family is like. And it's like, they want you to be happy, but a lot of it is for show, right? Because they have to tell this aunt and uncle, well, my daughter's doing this or my son is doing that. And like, while they might enjoy us being entertainers, like my parents know that I'm like this huge character and like, I do stupid shit for them all the time, but they're like, yeah, yeah, kind of do like, oh, well, the bank is hiring. And I'm like, your mom, you, she's she's like, they're like, she's good, but okay. (laughs) How are you going to make money off of this? Yeah. That's that. So here's my, I get this question a lot about like being Asian in the music industry or, you know, um, in the music industry, I'm a minority. Like yes. Black Latino is a is a demographic minority, but a music industry, the Asian is a minority. Yeah. Right? So I get asked about this, and this this goes to this this holds true to a lot of the immigrant Canadians as well because we're such a we're a younger country than the states. Um, this is the first we're the first generation that's been able to dream. Absolutely. Like we. Our parents came here to work blue collar jobs so that they could send money back to bring more people over or help pay for whatever back there because they're, you know, overseas now. They're they're the breadwinners. So they they don't understand, like, we've moved in, we've moved so fast in technology that kids are able to make money like this, you know, online, on their phone. You know, my dad doesn't understand how I make money still. He's like, okay, cool. (laughs) They have no concept of that so it's like can't blame them right for no. for it but um you know it'll it'll be interesting to see now with the next generation like our children we know that kids can make money on their phones or playing video yeah. games or singing songs absolutely um and with that there are the perils of you know what 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 do you do after that because there is a timeline to a lot of it if you if you can't diversify your skill set or mm-hmm. you know expand on what you're doing so i feel like it's 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 a it's a it's going to be a cycle of the same thing but at the very least we'll have more perspective on this side but yeah my parents were like yo whatever do whatever you want really that's do that's awesome yeah yeah i think it, like it, it it seems like it was an unsaid thing. Like in my household, it's definitely an unsaid thing. And I think, I don't know if you, were you having conversations with your parents about what you were doing? Like, yo, I'm going to the studio or. So here's the, I never had like, I'd be like, yo, I'm going here. I'm going here. But never, no, like sit down. What are you doing with your life conversations? There was one 
one memory was so I, I just moved out of my old studio in my old house. We sold yeah. Um, so that story about like my dad w wanted to build an apartment, a basement apartment, um, so that he can rent it out. And as we were building it, I was like, hey, well, this would be crazy, a crazy studio, dad. You know, we can make it a studio. And I just kept saying, you know, I want it to be a studio. Um, and, you know, halfway through the construction, he was like, okay, wow. what are you going to do? And I was like, yeah, I'm going to make a studio and I'm going to, you know, record my my music maybe i'll record other people i'll be able to make money and work you know i'll be able to make money like that and then um he was like all right let, let's see what you do like oh sorry there's two there was that conversation and then the one previous was i had a job like i was working as a the national service manager for a water filtration company wow yeah <laughs> I had an office downtown, big window, wow. um, fucking parking spot. And I was like super overweight. And just like, you know, every every weekend I would go spend my whatever paycheck on a yeah. uh, on the club or at the bar or whatever. And then I was about to buy like a Chrysler 300. Like that oh my God. <laughs> and... I just woke up one morning and I was like, fuck, I, I'm very unhappy. Like, I'm unhappy. So I went to work and I was like, you know what would make me happy here? I, if they gave me a raise, because I'm doing a lot. So I was like, yo, I put the numbers together. I'm like, yo, I'm making you this much more, blah, blah, blah. I deserve a raise. And they didn't give me a raise. And they were, they were humming and hawing. And I was like, all right, cool. I just, I literally took my keys. I plopped them on the table. I was like, wow. Wait. But before that, I spoke to my dad. I said, dad, I know I'm able to help with the mortgage right now and I'm working, but you think I could quit? He was like, why? And I was like, well, I was like, I'm unhappy. He's like, what are you going to do? I was like, I'm going to start driving to New York. I'm going to borrow mom's car and drive to New York and, wow. and try to get a record deal. And he goes, you going to make money doing that? And I was like, hopefully. And he goes, you're unhappy, quit. That's all he said. Amazing. He walked away. So, yeah. My parents That's, are fucking cool. My parents are cool, man. Like they're they're. Yeah. Cool. That's crazy because I feel like I I'm not trying to become a singer. I think I'm just trying to get on the back end of the music industry. And like, mm -hmm. yeah. So I lost my job earlier this year, and I um I don't know if you're familiar with Lola Plaku. I got into her Girl Connected program. It's a mentorship program. And I was like, huh. look, mom and dad, like I'm moving home. Just let me ride this out, please. And they're like go for it. And I was like, sick. sick. And like, the thing is, it's like, I have conversations with my parents and like, sometimes I feel like, yeah, they don't understand what I'm doing, but I'm like, if I don't give them some background or some insight and force them into understanding the new world, they're going to be left behind. They're obviously not going to understand. Right. There's going to be a huge gap between us. So I purposely try. And even if it makes them uncomfortable, I'm like, this is what I'm doing. I'm not going to the bank. Your girl is not working at the bank, bro. Like it's not happening. <laughs> sorry <laughs> it's just not for me um it's just not and I like I like that like yeah you have like a similar your parents have a similar like background um this is just a one-off question how does one find out they can sing are you just like singing along with Mariah Carey one day and you kind of hit the whistle and you're like oh shit that's me, not bad uh for me it was karaoke nice or karaoke my family was was still is um you know uh 
there's a we i have a huge family in strong like amazing a lot of them like a lot of my grandmother's brothers and sisters um she has like six or seven that's so sick i think six of them six wow. of the siblings moved to canada six five or six of them moved to canada so like amongst like from that from that family tree stemmed you know five six other families so there's a lot of us so it was the thing like we'd, we yeah. we're, we're all very close and um we're all very close and so we always hang out and karaoke was the thing like we all sang and for some reason everybody in my family can kind of sing amazing kind of like carry a tune nobody's like tone deaf or anything and so yeah yeah i just i used to do it and they were like oh he can sing um my aunt who's like nine years older than me she was she was sing doing the karaoke thing as well so like she was she's like my sister so we landed yeah. this she ended up like kind of helping you know just teaching me how to sing along with my mom and then it was cool it was like a novelty like hey look That's at the phone Look at our five-year-old nephew or my five-year-old son. He's going to sing today. And oh. they would take me to like parties or like events and they would just be like, go sing. Yeah. And you enjoyed it. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking loved it. Yeah. Okay. Sick. <laughs> and then I'm, you also like, you learned how to play piano guitar. Were you like, were you going to lessons or like you just like well, taught yourself? Lessons for like a few, like maybe a couple of years. I started when I was five. And I was cool. fucking so good when I was five. I yeah. was like really good. So good that I had an ego about it when I was five. Wow. Weirdly enough. And then- You pick up easier uh, as a child. So like- Yeah. That's so it. I, I went to class one day and you know, you play, right? So I played my piece and I made a mistake. I never made a mistake. I just happened to make a mistake. And the teacher was like, oh, you didn't practice. And I was like, yeah, I, yeah, I practiced. And she was, I remember this clearly. And I, <laughs> she goes, no, I, you, you made a mistake. I was like, I never make a mistake, but yeah, but I just, I pressed the wrong note. So you didn't practice enough. I was like, I quit. <gasps> I, I, I left the room. I told my daddy I quit. And he goes, why? I was like, I don't like her. I don't like the teacher. He was like, okay, again, okay. Yeah. I quit that day. I was fucking five years old. I quit. And I went back when I was, uh, I went back to play when I was in like grade six. Yeah. Um, but I was cheating. Like I was, I was playing everything by ear. Wow. Like, okay. I would tell teacher to play for me and then I would play it back. And when I, when I got to like grade three conservatory, there was a lot of sight reading and I totally, I fucking botched it. I had like botched the whole <laughs> Holy so shit. I, I failed and then I was like you know what I'm just not taking piano lessons anymore I'll just play yeah and then, yeah and then guitar I just I'm a I'm a horrible guitar player but I like playing guitar yeah so, like I just sit like usually if I want to learn something I just put a I, I put the book in front of me like the chord book and I'm like that's the chord that's the chord that's the chord and I practiced for an hour okay okay I can play this and, yeah I just want to go back quickly so like you're you quit you quit at five right piano at five and you're saying like your dad was kind of cool with it do you have any like hang-ups about like your parents not being too harsh on you no not really is do you are you like sometimes are you like holy shit i wish my parents had disciplined me more so i would have more discipline almost now no you know i can't really 
maybe, maybe I would have been more disciplined, but I'm, I'm really happy with the human being that I've become, you know, like I'm ply, I'm very pliable. Yeah. You know, um, I am, I used to be a mess of a human being. I used to be a bit of a nomad and I was cool with that. Yeah. And I'm starting to become like a little more organized, a little you know, and I, I think that what it taught me was, yo, you better figure shit out yourself. <laughs> um, you know, and they, they didn't push me, but they taught by example. Like my dad was, dad and my mom were very big on teaching by example, you know, yeah. clean your room. Your room is the only dirty room in the house. Yeah. You know, clean your room. And yeah, my, my room still remained dirty until like I got maybe into my 20s and was like oh my god that's me now <laughs> my room like shit so yeah I think about that a lot because I'm like damn man I wish I, I could have been an amazing piano player but yeah. um if I was that good of a piano player I might not have the you know the natural instinct of like to be able to write these pop songs that I write yeah you know I know I know a lot of my extremely talented muso friends can't write the song because you know they're stuck on the chords or yeah just, it's like very structured versus yeah, like feels and, and some of my friends like you know they're just so far gone from like the music the mainstream music like it's boring like what is that three chords bro yeah i can't deal with that anymore because they're so just beyond it you know, and that's their relationship with music is that they they're so in tune with the instrument that they want. Yeah, they want, you know, they're they're in the and then there's another there's like two levels of that. There's that level. And I think that if you decide that you want to be in the mainstream music industry, you're able to figure out. And this is where you get to that master master creator level where you're able to take that the complexities of music and apply them so that it's palatable for the masses like guys like teddy riley are fucking amazing at being yeah gospely and churchy without be without putting that in your face you know yeah um there's another producer eric hudson who is just makes you want to throw up because he's so good <laughs> i love that yeah so i don't know I feel like, nah, I'm always like- It worked itself out. Yeah, it, wor it worked in my, you know, for me it worked. And I yeah. think my parenting style is kind of like that as well now. Oh, interesting. So I can see now that in saying it, I'm like, oh, that's, <laughs> that's my my whole raising Ruby philosophy right now. So maybe a, little, Ruby. maybe a little bit, maybe, maybe they could have been a little bit stricter, but you know, I had a good childhood, you know, I was Absolutely. able to do things that, yeah. most things that I wanted to do. So. Yeah. And my path was right. You know, I, I chose, Absolutely. I was very lucky that, you know, I was five years old and I wanted to sing. And that direction is what took me all the way to here. I had never changed, you know, I, that's you know, I, I dabbled in like computer graphics and design, but it's because it's creative and artistic and I like that stuff. But I mean, I always, Want, since I can remember, I was like, yo, I'm going to do music. And yeah, I'm, you're I'm doing old. it. I'm old and I'm still doing it. You're so. not old, but yeah, you're still doing it, which is dope. 
Um, I'm, I'm a lot older than my Wikipedia says. <laughs> oh my god, amazing! Just lying motherfuckers out here, amazing. Um, so look, okay, you stopped piano. Did you get vocal lessons at all? Like, did you have a vocal no, coach? I never did vocal coaching or vocal lessons. I did, however, go to a performing arts high school. I went to Cardinal Carter Academy for the Arts. Sweet. And um, so it was kind of like vocal training every day, but it was opera. I did opera and sacred music wow. and chorale. Yeah. Uh, so that was a weird thing. And I'd had OAC. So I had grade 13 back then. Oh, shit. Wow. So I, I did that for... <laughs> five years five years yeah and then after and then after that i went to school for um for vocal jazz at humber um but the weird thing is after high school because i was singing from a, from such a different place because i was doing choir yeah and, um i felt like i had to relearn yes yeah. the pop music like kind of like get that like i learned a lot about the foundation of um vocalizing i guess or singing and had to unlearn some of the technique in order to become better as a pop singer yeah r&b singer rather yeah so, yeah so that's that's that was kind of the extent of my training that's dope yeah because i was actually just watching um miley cyrus on zane low and she's like i don't have like i don't train and i was like oh that's like, interesting but like, I guess like her, like your voice, I find your voice has so much control. Like I'm not sitting here being like, I, I understand tone and all that stuff. But like, when I listen to you, I'm like, oh yeah, there's like so much control there. And for her, like she, I feel like she just like sings whatever. And I'm like, oh yeah, this kind of makes yeah. sense. You have no, like she has no vocal training. So I was just like, yeah. oh yeah, like I wanted to ask for sure. Yeah. I'm, I definitely, I definitely stud like on my own was very much a study of singers. And, you know, I study things. Yeah. That, I, I had the, I always say like, I wasn't like naturally amazing. I was naturally inclined to, to work at it. You know, like I okay. had the, you know what I mean? Like I was like, some people, they just sing their fucking bomb. You know, they not be technically great or under, you know, what they're doing, but they're just tonally, they're really good. They don't know what they're doing. They just, it's just there. Yeah. For me, for me, I, I practiced, like I sang a lot. Yeah, and I, I, I kind of was like I picked and choose different ways of singing until I got comfortable with my own voice. Yeah, you know, I, tr I used to try to sing like this person or try to sing like that until I kind of sang enough that I got comfortable singing in my own voice. And the only, the way I got comfortable with singing my with my own voice was when I started writing my own songs. Oh yeah, wow. So I had no, I had no more point of reference like. I sang a Michael Jackson song, sing like Michael Jackson, you know? Yeah. I sang a Jodeci song, I'm trying to sing like KC or JoJo. But when I'm doing an August Rigo song, the, my point of reference was nowhere. So I wasn't really trying to sing like anybody. I was just- You got singing. to make it up, yeah. Make it up. Create it but for yourself. With taking, with, with taking from those, all those influences now are kind of molded into like my vocal style. Yes. Like you know, whatever I was listening to with Jodeci, Boyz II Men, yeah. Michael, Jackson, Stevie Wonder, whatever. And how do you maintain your voice? Cause like, like you take like, <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say you're smoking, which is hilarious. But like, yeah, like you, t I know like Rihanna, like used to smoke a cigarette before each show and then have a lozenge. And that's why she has this raspiness to her voice. Like, is there anything you're doing to like over the years protect your voice? Like, are you scared of losing your voice? 
sometimes. Yeah, it's so a I have lost my voice actually. So it's terrifying. When, when I first started singing, uh, not singing, when I first started writing and traveling and doing this like heavy music industry, like rounds and lifestyle. Session, yeah. yeah, I was, you know, I was drinking a lot. Yeah. I was singing a lot. Yeah. But I was also traveling a lot and I wasn't sleeping. And I probably wasn't drinking enough water. I probably wasn't eating well, whatever. I was, but I was singing so much. And on top of it, I was really trying to show my shit. Like I was pushing my voice off every wow. session because I wanted to show people, yo, look, I'm not just this songwriter, I'm an artist and I can sing because that was my whole thing, right? I wanted to, I wanted to be the fourth, I wanted to be the voice behind these records. So yeah. like, I'm gonna sing the fuck out of this song so nobody else can sing this shit. It's gonna be a great <laughs> song. And they're gonna be like, yo, we gotta do, we gotta let them keep it, you know? So I'm, I'm singing my heart out on these records. And lo and behold, I ruptured a vocal cord. <gasps> like ruptured. That was what the ENT said. ENT said, said, yo, you ruptured your vocal cord. You're literally, because I was having problems speaking. Oh, shit. Like, it was like I always woke up, just woke up. Like, my wife is that, you know? Shit. Um, and so my vocal cord, you know, they're supposed to go like this. This vocal cord, was like this was literally like swollen to a pulp so only one vocal cord was working yeah okay so i'm gonna this is gonna like this is podcasting so uh, so what he's saying is pretty much like think about your finger and it swelled up to about three the size of three fingers combined yeah it was it was probably bigger it was oh huge. my god yeah That's he put terrifying. a camera on my yeah but and then so i had to do like a steroid like take steroids I had 11 days of silence. Holy like shit. No, no speaking for 11 days, which was crazy. Um, That's, people yeah. pay for that shit, the, like the 10 day silent retreat. And they say it's fucking wild. So I can't, I yeah, can only imagine. Very, uh, it was cool. Like I was still writing music and I was still yeah. doing things, but I wasn't singing and I wasn't talking. Um, yeah. And it took a long, like a really long time to, get my voice back like yeah I did 11 days silence took the took the medication and was able to speak again and sing and do things yeah but to actually get back to fucking singing form that's crazy took me like two three years holy shit were you scared that like that was it for you like in those moments where you're like this is it no I wasn't scared but I knew that damn my voice is not I don't know where my voice is right now I I don't know what's happening like I could sing, I, um, there was like a lot, there's like atrophy in my, in my vocal cords because it's a muscle, right? And I, it, it basically, reju you know, I had to, you know, like rejuvenate itself. Yeah. Came, but when it came back, it was never the same as it was before. And then yeah. also I, like I was, I was raspy. Yeah. Like I had an ability to bring out a rasp in my vocal, which I didn't have before. Cool. Weird. So it's just, which is cool. And you know, I, it I adds really some have, dimension to your voice, which is I'm cool with my voice now. Like I'm, I'm very comfortable with where I can sing now. And like, I like, I like, I like what I'm doing vocally. So it's, it was a little scary, but it wasn't like, I wasn't like, Oh my gosh, I'm never going to sing again. But yeah, I, I am going to quit smoking soon so i'm gonna get it in as much as i can yeah absolutely um, and yeah but i don't do anything i do you know do a ginger shot here and there maybe i just yeah. blow my nose to make sure i'm not congested. 
Like, yeah. Let's fucking go. Fair, yeah. I want to get into this because this is this is super exciting for me. Uh, so you start pursuing music. Around what year is this that like you're like, yo, I'm taking this seriously? All right. So in the back of my mind, it's always a serious thing, right? Like from high school on, like okay. I had a singing group. You know, we had like a, we were signed to like an indie label. You know, putting together in Canada, you were signed to an indie label. Yeah. Okay, cool. Canada. Um, and then, um, and then I went to school for engineering. Got a little more wow. serious. You know. Um, in terms of like putting together an album and putting together a project, I got a Factor grant. Nice. So I did like my first album through Factor. Um, but really, maybe I'll say around 2000, 2000, oh my gosh, I don't even know. Early 2000s, maybe 2001 okay. to 2004. I was like, yo, we're going, I'm going to figure out how to do this. And this is like pre YouTube, pre Facebook all that shit um pre-instagram obviously yeah uh, so what's the best way to do it so you know you you go to you know i had a friend who had a publishing deal that you go to different studios and you meet people yeah and you write songs for them and um i had a friend who had a publishing deal so he took me to the office uh universal canada and i was like universal publishing canada Gotcha. And they were, he was like, this guy's great. You should, you know, you should work with him. So I started, you know, writing songs, funneling songs to them. But they were never really interested in signing me or, you know, giving me a chance on that level. They were just like, okay, if you're writing, cool. Um, yeah. Then I, you know, when I, after I quit my job, this guy, this, this is a tangent story. <laughs> cool. Very, Let's go into it. it. There's some shit that happens, like some cool shit. So my friend goes to LA and he runs into a guy in the lobby of an office. And he's like, hey, I know you, you're my brother-in-law's nephew. Holy fuck, what? Right. This guy, this brother-in-law's nephew just happens to be, you know, a decently big producer. He's done like, at the time he's like Cisco and wow. Jennifer Yes, and Nas, and he goes, "Yo, I got this rapper that I want you to hear. See, here's a CD. Check it out. Cool." Producer leaves. My boy does his meeting. Producer calls back and says, "Yo, there's a kid singing on the last song of this rap guy's album." Shut up. Who's that kid? Uh, that's August. <clears throat> Tell that kid I want him. I'm moving to Atlanta. I want him. And you to come and move to Atlanta, move in with me. I want to do his album. I'm gonna get him a deal, and it's gonna be crazy. Wow. So I moved to Atlanta. And what so year is this? This is 2003. Okay. So I moved to. We go to New York first. Go to New York first. Do a bunch of rounds. Do some meetings. Then we move to Atlanta. I get there. Sorry, and you're getting these meetings because your friend has the product, like the publisher. My friend, my friend was like an OG music head. He used to be signed to Tribe Called Quest, so I was around a lot of hip hop guys. Um, uh, another one of our friend used to be Fife, God rest his soul, uh, Fife's uh, road manager. Okay. But we had a couple of links, so you know we. Okay. We just you know, just parlay, you know, get yeah. around. 
go to, you know, we had tickets to rock the bells. We got to hang out backstage. You know, okay. just really, I was, I was doing fanboy shit, but I was, you know, I was trying to get it. Of course, you're networking. That's what we're going to say. You're networking. So we get to Atlanta and he's like, yo, this is, this guy's cool, man. He's a fucking sick producer. He plays me beats. He looks like a producer. He's got braids and he's got a basketball jersey. He's got a Jacob chain and a Jacob watch. He's oh my God. <laughs> real, fucking real. And he's, he's amazing. Like, and I say amazing. He's like one of the best players I've ever heard play piano. Like just incredible. Wow. Three weeks in, he's, um, breaks up with his girl. Oh shit. And is, uh, <laughs> we find out after he's bipolar. Oh fuck. So I end up living in this house six months with this guy. And mind you, he was fucking cool as shit, but he was just bipolar. So he's going crazy Fair. sometimes. Yeah. He's having mood swings. Didn't have any money to go anywhere. I didn't have any, but you know, I'm just making this album. Anyways, to, long story short, we have to leave. Right, we have to leave. So we leave. In the time we were in Atlanta, which was like six, seven months, maybe eight months, we're working in other studios. And I'm in a studio one day, randomly, playing my songs. And this guy comes up to me and says, Yo, your shit is fire, bro. I could get you some work in Australia. What? Sure. Here's my CD with my email address and my phone number. Take it. Wow. Nothing of it. Anyways, fast forward. I get, we go broke in Atlanta. I use whatever's left on my credit card to rent a car. We drive back to New York. Wow. Back to New York. We stay in my friend's apartment. We're in New York for a month. This is hilarious. We're in New York for a month. My friend, the producer from Atlanta hits me. He goes, yo, y'all in New York? Oh like, my God. Yeah, man. He goes, can y'all pick me up at the station? What? What? So we get to the station. This guy's there with two bags. Like, <gasps> Yo, dude, where's your studio? Where's all your gear? He's like, oh, I left that shit in Atlanta. What? I said, why? He goes, because they were after me. Oh, my God. They were after me. Who? Oh, it was, it was, it was coming. They knew where I was. So go back to the house, make some calls, figure out he left it with his cousin. Um, but like, yo, we got to get your gear, bro. You're going to go, you're going to, you're going to go broke. You're going to go broke. You're not, you don't have yeah. nothing. So my, my friend's wife, she's super sweet. She's like, yo, rent a car. We uh, we drive back to Atlanta without him. Holy fuck. He is, he is shaking because we're making him come. Like he wouldn't, he was so scared to go back to Atlanta. He wouldn't leave the couch. He was like, please don't make me go. Please don't make me go. So we're like, all right, cool, you chill. Go. We drive to Atlanta, pick up all his gear and drive it back to New York. So we figure, let's figure out what the fuck. So we end up finding out that, you know, his parents live in New York. So we, he was estranged from his parents. So we kind of like, we put them back together. Basically, we just called, called his parents and say, yo, your son's kind of sick. You know, he needs your help. And they, they took him back in, and he's doing. Funny enough, I talk to him still every, till this day, Aww, like every month. That's almost a decade ago. But, anyways, back to me. <laughs> I go broke. We I was literally zero broke in New York now. Like we have not. I can't do anything. Like I can barely eat. Yeah. So 
I call home. I was like, yo, can, can somebody buy me a ticket so I can come home? Oh. So they're like, yo, cool. I think my aunt bought me a ticket home. Wow. Um, and then my, my homie gives me a job, which is the job I had before. Same job back yeah. um, at a fuck boy at a, at a, at a stereo store. Oh shit. So I'm driving, I'm driving home from Mississauga one day, six months <laughs> later. Mississauga, and I get a call. Yo. Um, I got your number from blah 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 in Atlanta. Your stuff is sick. You should come to you should come to Australia and do some work. What the fuck? So I fly to Australia, do some work, and I fly back, right? A year later, calls me back again. He says, Hey. I got a real job for you. Um, I can pay you for 10 songs. Um, give me a price and um, I'll send you your ticket. So I gave him a price, know, 1500 bucks a song. I thought that was the fuck, that was it. You know? Yeah, like, you made it. You're like, fuck yeah. Cool, no problem. He's like, no problem. Flight's booked for tomorrow, come. I get to Sydney and I'm, gives me a bunch of money. And I'm like, let's go. I start working and I meet a girl in the club and I moved in three weeks later. What? Yo, you're wild, bro. <laughs> three weeks later. And then I, I lived in Australia. I lived in Sydney for two years. That's amazing. Two years. And then I'm sorry to say, but I woke up one morning and she was a single mom. Oh, shit. I woke up and I was like. This ain't it. I gotta go. <laughs> wow. Yo, it yeah, happens. Yeah. It like literally happens. Yeah, I gotta go. You know, I'm like, I was like 26 or maybe 27 or something like that. Yeah. I was like, yo, I, I was like, I gotta go. So I bounced, bounced, came back home, went straight to New York, started hustling, started like, you know, floating songs out there. And that was the, that was the mode from like 2007 on, you know, I would drive to New York every month, stand outside of the record labels and hand out CDs. Oh, wow. You Until legit are just on the corner handing out mixtapes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Until somebody Thank noticed. You. And then somebody yeah. noticed. And that person that noticed became my manager three years later and was the person who got me my first publishing deal and my first record deal. Uh, it was crazy. Like, I literally, I don't know how many success stories happen like that, but I, my story literally is, yo, I stood outside with a stack yeah. of every day yeah you gotta yeah you got people out here being like yo i've been busting my ass taking pictures and mm -hmm. posting them on instagram and it's not happening yeah. and like people are legit oh. like standing outside granted i'm just trying yeah, to change I chased, but fine. I, chased, I, chased, <clears throat> I chased puppy in the middle of the street one day like chased him chased oh him God. i ran into him by accident because i was looking down and i i hit him with my head in his chest no and he was like, it's all good, man. And then he went to his office and I was like, okay, Puffy's there. He's got to leave. I'm not going to leave until he leaves. So I literally stopped him, stayed outside for like five hours in the blistering cold and waited for his cars Holy to move. Shit. And when I saw his cars moving, I ran down the street to where like the, the cavalcade of cars was. And I just like, until I saw him in the car and I was just like, Yo, take my CD! Did he take it? And no. Aww. <laughs> He's out. That's so He's funny. Out. That's so funny. Yeah. And like, I just want to know, like, you didn't spend 
any time in Toronto developing? Or you were just like, nope, the States is it. Australia is oh. it. So in between, I mean, I obviously like lived in Toronto. Right? Yeah. So in between, I was um, part of like what I was doing for work. I was working at Bay Blue Radio. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I was working with The Gap. I was working at Sunglass Hut. I was working at American Eagle. I, I would just quit. If I had a trip, if I had a meeting to go to New York, I was like, I quit. Out, yeah, it's fucking retail. Sure. Um, I used to do like the the live band gig. Like I used to do Joe Mama's, the Bamboo, um, Lava Lounge, Rivoli, Re- Revival, and like you know you pay like a hundred bucks to sing like four hours of the night. Yeah. So cool. I used to do that, and like that's how I got my chops up. And you know I do sessions. You know write songs for my friends, write songs with my friends. Yeah. Um, but yes, but I didn't music industry stuff, like getting into the room and writing with other producers and writing songs for Canadian artists. There was a very short time where I did that. Um, and I just, I just didn't enjoy the, I just, I couldn't, I had better opportunities in the States. The people that I knew were, um, that's where they were like, yo, I know this person yeah. here who can. So I just went there. I just went to the States. Um, and I just found like nobody cared about me in the Canadian music industry. Like they just didn't care. Like yeah. I was in the I was in the offices, you know, I was shopping my demo to people. Like I was handing out my CD and like my songs and my EPK and my folder yeah. and shit. And you know, they, nobody cared. Nobody wanted to fuck with me. So I was like, yeah. all right, cool, I'm out. Yeah. Did you feel so like, yeah, did you feel stuck in Toronto? You're like, well, there's like, I just felt like, you know, I'm not appreciated here. Like what I do, nobody wants here. So let me yeah. get out here and figure it out. Do I you mean, still feel that like today? Like in like let's say you were trying to make it in today's time. Do you think the Toronto scene would still be like that? No, it, it Toronto scene is really different now, you know. Yeah. R&B and hip hop and the whole industry as a whole and, ter- and the creative side of things is different. I don't know what it is in the buildings. Yeah. But on a creative side of things, Toronto's an amazing place to be as a creator. Absolutely. A musician. There's like a lot of bubbling like talent. There's a lot of established talent. Um yeah, but back then, you know, they didn't care like they, they, I don't know if they couldn't see it or just didn't care to see it, but you know, the minute, the minute I sat in front of LA Reed and played him a song um, with my vocal, with my demo vocal on it, he gave me a record deal. Sick. Save so- that for second episode. That like, that was a spoiler, everybody. Damn. Um, yeah, that's super sick. Uh, I want to tie back to like, you went into the industry blind, like, you did you have any idea of what you were getting yourself into no because initially like i didn't even want to be a songwriter to be honest i didn't the only songwriter i knew was babyface i really thought i really thought that most artists were like oh uh, they write their own shit Uh. right so when the opportunity came about to say like yo so here's the weird thing me being like that you know the minority in the music industry like I would get these meetings based on my songs, like my CD mm. being on the table and then playing the CD and being like, yo, this kid's dope. Let's call this kid to see what he has, who he is. So I'd get these meetings based on my music, but people would look at me and see me and be like, oh, you don't look like how you sound. Like, I, yeah. don't, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten, you don't look like how you sound. Yeah. You know? 
but we love your songs. Maybe we can give it to an artist. What do you mean? Well, maybe we can give it to ah, Justin Bieber or whomever. Who they think would fit the sound, essentially. Yeah. So um, I was like, oh, okay, sure. And then like, you know, my previous manager was like, this is your way into the industry. You know, you can be like Neo who wrote a bunch of hits yeah. and then do your thing. So like, that's how I got into the like pitching song and songwriting. I didn't, I didn't want to be the, uh, the, the songwriter or producer. I wanted to be an artist. Like yeah. I, I was doing, I was writing and producing as out of necessity. Yeah. I need to, I need to write produce these songs so I can do my thing but 100%. I would back then I would have been happy to be like yo oh you have a song for me let me sing it oh <laughs> yeah 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 yeah. And it's funny, yeah and it's funny you say that because I think that like it's such a common thing like I've heard numerous times where they're like people like artists are like the labels here especially even to this day they're like we don't really know how to like we don't know what to do with you like it's fine if you're a white rapper for example like we can we can market the hell out of that but you're a black rapper i don't know what to do with that and like that's obviously hard and how do you how do you even take that on because it's not a reflection of your talent it's a reflection of what you look like and yeah and it's like that's a hard pill to swallow i think like how do you learn to manage expectations i and not take it personally here's a Good thing. I didn't have any quarrels with like my race or like any, didn't have any, think think anything of my race at all until the music industry put that in my face. Like, yo, you are, you don't look like how you sound. We can't do nothing with you. Like it's basically that. In Toronto, I'll go to the bamboo um, and and sing at the the R&B showcases and yeah, they'd be like, oh, the Asian kids are up on stage. What are they going to do? Yeah. You'd sing, and they'd be like, yo, you can sing. You're sick. Point period. You're sick. You're down, you know? Yeah. It didn't matter if I was white or Spanish or black. Yo, They're... my man can sing. He's with us. Yeah. Out here, it was, yeah, he can sing, but I, I, I don't know, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It looks weird. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't like, match. It doesn't match. And I don't know what that meant. Like, if your voice doesn't match the way you look. Like, I don't know what they would expect me to sound like, but it wasn't that. Um, it it never upset me, to be honest. Wow. It never upset me. It was more of a, like, uh, okay, I, I I just have to prove it to you then. I, prove, yeah. I have to find a way to prove it to you. And then, you know, as the years go by, I, I came to that, this philosophy that I spoke of earlier is that we're a, we're young, like specifically being Filipino in the music industry or entertainment industry. Like you see, there's a lot of like, oh, Asian leading men now. And yeah. Asian singers, K-pop. It's, this is, this is all new. It's like the first time this generation is the first generation of people that have been able to dream of being actors and singers and writers yeah. and producers. So yo that's gonna happen yeah it's actually funny that you said because olivia rodrigo's half filipino yeah. right and she came out recently being like i never saw pop stars like myself but people gave her a lot of heat because she's she's half filipino right yeah. but it makes sense though because it's like yeah if you've never seen anybody that looks like you and now she's like one of the biggest stars of this right. year 
Mm-hmm. And she's like, yeah, well, shit, I'm the face now. Like, I think what she, I think her intention was correct in being like, yeah. I've never seen that before. Right. Yeah. But she doesn't look super Filipino. No, she doesn't at all. And I think people didn't, I think people just yeah. assumed she was fully white. And then they're yeah. like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. And I think that's great that you, you know, you can, you can champion the, you know, that side of you. And I think it's great for us, like as Filipinos to kind of have that um, kind of, you know, additional lift in, yeah. the, in, um, in popularity. Um, but again, it's, it, we're young, like it's, as a nation in this Western world, we're really, really young. And it's just evolution. It's an evolution. And yeah, we can complain about it, or we can just work towards getting better and be, I feel like, I feel like people want it so badly, so early, so quickly. And we also live in this new world yeah. of instant, instant gratification. Um, you know, the, you know, black Americans have been here for centuries, you know, and have had, you know, centuries of oppression. They still yeah. are. Yeah. Right. Until now, you know, they are at the forefront of entertainment and sports and stuff, but look at what it took to get there. Mm-hmm. And it's still not a fair market. Like it's like they're getting paid less. Yeah, like. and it's still not fair. So t- for me to be like, you know, oh, I'm Filipino, I should be treated equally. Yes, absolutely. We should all on a human level be treated equally. But, you know, the world it's is not the world. In, the thing, yeah, the thing that I think a lot of people, especially with the rise of social media is that we're so fixated on our individual problems. Like we all deserve a table at the seat. Whoops, I mean a seat at the table when actually the table should just be fucking like thrown out. That's what the issue yeah. is. But like we focus on ourselves and our own problems. Like, well, what about me? What about me? But it's like, no, it's, uh, yeah. Like it's a said, whole, it's, like it's a whole, right? It's like a whole thing. it's a whole thing. There are shining examples of different people coming up, but you know, in order to get to that point of, and we're moving really fast. We're moving much faster than it has been yeah. in terms historically. But in order to get to the level of the major, the majority, it's just going to take time. It's going to, it's, it's going to take evolution. That's yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite examples is actually, actually St. John. Um, he blew up last year. He's actually Guyanese. Shout out Guyanese people. Yeah. Hey. I think, yeah. Like he's, he was writing for over 10 years and like he literally had his break last year because, and Roses came out, the actual song Roses came out in 2018, I think. And the remix is what like skyrocketed because of TikTok, but it was just like, he's been in this game for over 10 plus years and now he's seeing this big break. So it's like, yeah, sometimes it is a matter of just like. It takes time. Working at it. People, some people get that hot streak early and then some people, it happens later. That's why the key is to never stop. Yeah, a hundred percent. I agree with that. Um, I definitely agree with that. And like, I actually want to go into this because you touched on it a bit. So spoiler alert, you got signed to LA Reed and he was like, I want you as an artist and a singer songwriter. Mm -hmm. In that time, were you more so stuck writing for other people? Were you allowed to explore yourself as an artist? Like what happened there? I was, I wasn't not allowed to do anything, but I was very, 
the direction I was being pushed into was to really write for other artists, to really do my thing, not from LA, but from my team. And like, you know, that was what was making money. You know, that was what was making money. My artist career is still undetermined, right? But yeah. I had a record deal, um, you know, and what was happening was, you know, I'd have some choice songs that I could, that I, you know, whenever I had my own time, I'd make songs for myself. Um, but I, I had been working at such a feverish pace that I had a really huge catalog yeah. of songs with big producers that I could, oh, I'm gonna take this one. This one didn't get taken by Bieber or this one didn't get taken by Sean Kingston or One Direction. I'm gonna take these songs and create this album from yeah. basic demos that I was shopping. Wow. But I never got the chance to be the artist and like go into the rooms with producers and like, yo, what do you want to create? You know? Yeah. And, um, and then as a byproduct of that, I I became my own producer. I figured out my own sound, you know, over the yeah. years, not uh, what I wanted to do. A hundred percent. And we touched on this but a bit earlier. Sorry, go ahead. Say that again. No, but I never got that, like that artist, artist treatment. And okay, so... I, we, I think we briefly touched on this before, but how do you manage your expectations when you were like, I'm going into this, I'm going to become an artist and it didn't pan out the way you wanted then. And like, if like, that's what you're set on, your sights are set on and it doesn't work out and it, the fall can feel kind of hard, right? So it's like, yeah, how absolutely. did you, how did you like work yourself through that? I think it's about it's a self-awareness thing right I, for me it was uh like self-awareness that's how i dealt with everything yeah and, and taking accountability okay so it's not working for you this way you have to do more okay okay and it's not working this way you have to do more it's it's not anybody else's fault like i want to be an artist and you know so you do what you need to do to to make that shit happen and just because you're not rich and famous doesn't mean you're not an artist you know I, at, at the time I was putting a lot of emphasis on man I'm not Demi Lovato status or this yeah. so why do they want to mess with me but you know the perspective now with perspective and looking back it's like you know what I am an artist 100%. whether I talk to people or not is it's just a skill set that I have and you know an ability yeah. that I can transfer on to other people but um you know i'm an artist and the only reason why the only the fuel that 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 powers the vehicle to be able to songwrite is the artist in me yeah you know, that's why I, that's why i do this stuff so i can continue to be an artist so yeah it, it used to hurt but now it's like now i feel like we're in a world where i can do my own thing yeah and you know, if I dedicate enough time and effort into it, I can make, I can make that success happen because 100%. I know the songs are there. You know, I can make that success happen. I, I'm yeah. fully capable of doing that myself. So I'm, I'm pretty happy with my place in the world as an artist because I'm comfortable with who I am musically. Yeah. And I like that a lot. And the reason I asked the first question about how do you define success for yourself is that I think a lot of people go into the music industry, artists, sorry, and they're like, well, I'm going to chart on billboards. That's a great goal. Don't get me wrong. But if you don't, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're not a good artist. Majority of the artists I listen to, I'm not saying I'm some hipster who like discovers music and all this shit. No, yeah. but like majority of the artists I listen to probably won't ever 
chart on billboards for whatever reason, maybe they're from another part of the world or whatever, but the music is so good. And like, I don't sit there and be like, well, you don't have a number one. How can you, how can you be a good artist? Like, I think that like people need to get that out of their heads that like, if you're just because you might not be awarded by whatever billboard Grammys, MTV awards, doesn't mean you're not an artist or a good artist, even like, I don't know why we need switch validation like that. Well, you know, it does, you know, it does, it is sort of a reflection of success, but I think, right. But I think that you are what you are, what you think you are. You know, if you think you're a piece of shit, you're going to be a piece of shit. (laughs) Yeah. I, I think, you know, I'm an artist. Like I'm, I'm, I'm a very big believer on the power of the mind and your ability to, know your your portrayal of yourself and your reflection of yourself internally is what you reflect out into the universe yeah and you know I'm, a, I'm an artist I'm I'm a creative I I like doing what I do and you know if I'm never rich and famous you know god forbid but if I'm never famous for my artistry um I feel like I've done you know the music I've made for myself I'm so happy with it that you know that would be satisfaction enough yeah you know and i'm not done yet you know i'm not done yeah. yet but i'm but in if it was all to end at this moment my catalog will transcend my life yeah you know? fair for sure hands down my catalog will transcend my life because absolutely um, like those songs are fire so yeah good <laughs> you should absolutely and also to like also about managing expectations. I think in the industry, sometimes some people have, some people are obviously shady, but I think some people have great intentions. Mm-hmm. Execution might not just happen. For example, the guy who you went to Atlanta with, like it didn't go the way it was planned. Right. And how do you persevere? Like I, I'm in the middle of reading Mariah Carey's book and she's just at the point where she leaves Sony She's one of the biggest artists at this time. Signs to Virgin, who's this like newish label. It's at the time that glitter happens and like she's not doing well mentally. And then the woman that brought her on at Virgin gets fired. She comes back from kind of like recouping and Virgin's like, yo, we don't want to give you so much money anymore. The biggest artist at this time. So it's like, how do you, it happens to everybody, right? It's just sometimes it's situational. How do you not take it for yourself? I always say that's showbiz. And that's why you have to kind of just like roll with the punches as hard as it can be sometimes. How do you, yeah, like how do you manage that for yourself? Like let's I say mean, someone's like, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna do a song with you. And then they're like, yeah, no, sorry, fuck. I meet a lot of people. And then sometimes I meet a lot of people that are excited to write songs with me. And then sometimes the songs aren't as good as they thought they'd be. And sometimes I I meet producers and the, you know, the songs that are, we do together aren't as great as we thought it'd be not every day is you know a hit record day fair it's a very special thing and there's a chemistry and an energy that's involved in for me in the creative process um as much as you know the final is the creative process is just as important to me as the final product you know yeah yeah it is that you know it's just business it's just business at the you know so and then I think in order to manage that, you know, just choose wisely on who you who you work with, you know, who you yeah. invest who you invest your energy into. You know, 
um, I used to invest my energy into the things that I thought was going to be the most lucrative. Yeah. Right. Now I invest my energy into the things that I'm going to enjoy the most. Amazing. Yeah. May not be the best artist, but I enjoy the company and I, 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 I see, you know, I, there's potential in other areas, you know, and I like their company. So fuck it. Let's just, let's do it and figure it out. I think that's really important. You touch on something. You're like, it's a business at the end, at the end of the day. And I think that while it's art and it's the intellectual property is the commodity, like your life, your story, your vulnerability, as soon as it starts being sold, it literally is about the business. And I think that like, while it's hard to swallow that, that's what the music industry is, right? I feel like you have to create a balance with with what you're doing, you know? Of course. Uh, enough, you know, you do it like, you know, I do, th- I do some things that I don't want to do, but when you do those things, like, for example, I do sessions I don't want to do sometimes, right? Yeah. I write, have to write songs for things that I, quite frankly, don't care about. <laughs> and when I'm done with them, I forget about them. But I'm st- people lose sight of the fact that, you know, this is, we're doing music for a living and that is a privilege on its own. For sure. Whenever I feel that way, I feel like, oh, you ungrateful motherfucker. You know, (laughs) no, we, it is a blessing, a true blessing to be able to do this for a living and get paid and have people want, you know, a skill set that, you know, from you that, you know, you're a God that's given by God, you know, like, you know, this, this, what I do for a living is is fun is playtime all the time so and anytime i wanted i don't want to do something i i figure out where i'm what i can learn from it where because there's always a there's always you can always learn for sure this thing so like you know who am i working with and like make the best of every experience that i you know that i get to do in this in in this realm and ever since i've taken that <clears throat> some shit I just won't do. I'm, I'm just not going to do it. I just don't want to do it. Yeah. But when you, when you have to do it, you know, you got to find the joy in it. And sometimes the joy is that, yo, I'm doing music for a living. So that's dope. That's it. Yeah. What more can you ask for? Like so you your whole it, life is, cre- is a whole creative process. Yeah. If you can think of that. Uh, that alone is like, yo, I'm good. Yeah, let me just keep let me just keep working. Yeah, for sure. It's a, and it's all it's funny because it's all relative. Like, let's say I had a session with today. I had a Beyonce session and a Bieber session, and then a Rihanna sec- session the next day, and then some lowly independent artist that has like two thousand dollars. Let's say decent budget wants yeah. to work with. I'm their favorite writer out. Uh, I'm not doing that because I got Beaver and Rihanna and then I'm going to take Friday off, you know, whatever. Yeah. And then, you know, then the opposite can happen. You know, I have no sessions and then all of a sudden this artist comes around like, you're my favorite writer and I'm excited to do it because it's $2,000 and they love me. You know, it's all relative. So like taking, I guess, I guess the point of that is to take the ego out of the whole thing. Yeah. Take the ego out of the whole thing. And I think if you, if you use that, take the ego out of the whole thing as a kind of philo- an all-in-all philosophy, you, we'd all be much better off. A hundred percent. Yeah. Like help one another build community. And I want to ask this, I feel like this is an obvious question, but 
I ask this because I find that the answers are often very glamorized. It's like, yeah, yeah, just push through. Did you ever doubt your abilities? Because it can actually be very anxiety inducing or crippling for some people to the point of like, I don't know why I'm doing this, especially within the entertainment industry, because it's your livelihood, right? Like it's your, it's your story. It's your artistry. It's not like you're selling a product and you're not a good salesperson. It's like, it's your art. I am the product and I am the salesperson. Yeah. I, many, 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 many times. Yeah. Many times I wanted to give up and quit and, uh, and kind of do something else. Um, they're very, you know, some, you know, there's, there's been, a, there, there was like a small bout of with depression. Like, like I did, like, I yeah. did like maybe a couple of weeks where I didn't leave my room. I just smoked weed and didn't leave my room for sure. Two um, but it's like a shooter slump, you know, you got to keep shooting, you know, you shoot till you miss and you miss till you shoot. And, yeah. you know, like, yeah you shoot till you miss and then you keep going you know what i mean yeah yeah a hundred percent um yeah it's hard it, it is hard and like the music changes all all the time and sometimes what you do best is not what people want and you gotta adapt and then but it's cyclic you know i feel like i just i just keep going i just keep going and when i when I feel like, oh, there's, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm shit. Or maybe I should give up. Yeah. Something about my environment is telling me that. Ah, like a messy room. <laughs> That's my thing. Well, my room is a mess. My head is a mess. I'm a messy studio. Maybe I'm not eating right. Maybe I'm not yeah. exercising. Enough. Um, my mind isn't clear. My body's probably not clear either. Maybe yeah. my environment is that, you know, I'm around people that aren't, helping uplift me maybe you know i read this thing the other day a bottle of water is 50 cents at the store but yeah. if you go to the arena it's five dollars you know you got to go where your worth is yeah where people appreciate you sometimes sometimes you got to work with strangers so that you can get a perspective on like you know how because you know your friends always you know they are who they are you know? um yeah I, I think that's also a thing an environmental thing an internal thing like yeah. a health thing there are a lot of things you can do to get yourself out of the gutter. And yeah. you have to have you I you have to have the gift of self-awareness, understand yourself, understanding yourself and knowing, you know, really fully who you are as a human being or being Absolutely. very familiar so that you can you can make that adjustment. Yo, I am fucked up right now. What is the problem? Oh, you know what? I'm smoking too much weed. You know, like it could be as easy as that. You know, I'm I'm high. You know, what's really I'm interesting high. that like you say that because I think a lot of people use weed as a crutch for like, obviously getting out of a sobriety and like escaping reality, but it is, I think it is problematic that so many people rely on it and like, they're not aware of the effects that it can have on you. It's still altering, you know, it does, it, Absolutely. it does. It, take you to another place and sometimes it doesn't take you to the right place most times it does right yeah but depending on where you are in this realm you know it dictates where you're gonna go a lot of the time 100 percent. Right? Um, i'm so glad you said yeah that. i like the i i think that's i think that it's important it's really really important for you know to to study and understand yourself and how you react to things and how you react to things in your environment 
so that you can put yourself in the right positions. And then sometimes like, I know I'm going into a place where I'm feeling uncomfortable. So I yeah. have to kind of like, you know, sometimes it's unavoidable. You gotta, you gotta kind of pep talk yourself into like, you know, I'm the shit. I, yeah. I'm here for, I'm here for a reason and I'm gonna do my thing. And if they don't like it, it's not a reflection of my skill or who I am. It's just, music is so, it's not objective. It's a subjective thing, right? Yeah. And there's an, and there's like, you know, there's energy fields like that, that you can't see, but I fully believe are real. Oh, hundred percent. When you, when your energy touches another person, then it doesn't match. It doesn't match. Right. Mm -hmm. And you can't force, that. you can't force that. It just is what it is. But yeah, I've, I've wanted to give up a bunch of times. Yeah. But, um, Sure you are, you have it, which is sick. And on the flip yeah. side of that, how do you avoid burnout? Like overworking and like, you're like, holy shit, I need to take a break. You know what? I think, I think when the word boredom hits your lips, <laughs> now bored, this is boring, you know? Okay, it probably means you need to take a break. You know? Yeah. Do something else. And, you know, sometimes the situation you're in, if it's work, like you can't do something else. So you have to, do something else after, you know, do yeah. something else totally different, you know, free your brain. Um, I, I've, I've been burnt out before, like, yeah. uh, for sure. I've definitely been burnt out before. Um, but yeah, you just have to be aware of the song. I haven't been burnt out in a long time. Like I've been tired. Yeah. Like, creative burnt out. No, you just got, I think if, when, when I get burnt for me, I can't speak for everybody. For me, mm. when I get creatively burnt out, I study something new. Oh, nice. Yeah, I study something new, whether it's um, I buy a new plugin or I try to I try to I try a new thing in my mix, you know, or I I I learn some a new set of chords or I play I, I learn some new guitar chords or yeah. something. Because then you learn something new. And then you learn it enough that it becomes part of your workflow. Now you, now you, all the other things that you've learned start to adjust and adapt to this. Oh, I know how to do this now. Partnered with this yeah. skill. Oh, now I'm even sicker. Now, now all of a sudden, you know something, your confidence goes up. You yeah. learn something new, your confidence goes up. Your create, your confidence is up. If your confidence is up, your creativity is up. It, it just goes, it just goes hand in hand, right? Yeah. Um, you know, I like that. That's, that's how I feel. So, I, like any time now, when I feel like, oh fuck, I'm, I'm burnt creatively. It's, it's just because I'm doing the same shit. So I got to learn something. So I'll yeah. learn something new. I have a, I have a membership to masterclass. So oh, I'll sick. watch, like, I'll watch like a masterclass on photography and like. Even when I take a departure from the music side, I always I'm still going into something art, art based or creative. So I, I yeah. love photography. I love um I love font design. Weirdly Ooh, enough, oh typography is great. Typography is amazing, and I love like fashion. Like I started sewing like during wow. the pandemic. I, I started leather working during the pandemic, like making wallets. What? So like, and that, all that other creative stuff what when it, i first felt like it was taking away from my mu music time but what it was yeah. really doing was 
it was just kind of rewiring my creative brain so that when yeah. I got back, when I got back to the music, you know what it really did for me was like, I was a shit sewer for me. I was fucking horrible, but I would sew and sew and get good at sewing. And I got to a point where oh, I'm a decent novice sewer. Yeah. Um, making a shade. Oh, I'm a decent novice Great. leather maker. I made a wallet and a couple of things. But when I got back to music, again, my confidence, my confidence went through the roof again because like, yo, this is second nature. Watch this. <laughs> and you're back and you're back because yeah. it's, it's like the world is relative. Everything is relative. Speed is relative. Like absolutely relative, you know, you know, you know, you have, you may have a wealthy uncle who, who in a different circle is the poor guy. You know, it's yeah. just relative. 100%. So that's like, it's funny. I've never thought of it that way, but yes, that's like, I do Absolutely. that all the time. And I want to go on this creative thing because I find that like being a creative can be very isolating. It's like your friends might understand what you do, even if they're from a different world, but your dreams might seem really far-fetched to other people if you're not within the music industry or the entertainment industry as a whole. Right. Um, when you first started out in music or even now, like, did you have friends that were also pursuing music and or, and or creative endeavors that like you felt a safe place in or like was it super lonely and you're like i i love being lonely and creative wow okay i love i love being lonely and creative i think it's a do you like owner. feeling misunderstood i don't like feeling misunderstood okay. but i i feel like i like to I, I maybe it's an insecure thing maybe it's just um I'm an only child and I I oh, wow. up like but I like I like being alone and making things yeah I like I just like it I, I feel I like like if I have company while I'm doing it I love the type of company that doesn't say anything to me and just watches me wow. I love that like I have two friends that in my lowest point, they would just come to my house, sit down, we'd smoke, and they weren't musicians. They were like, you know, my friend, my friend is just like an idea guy. He just likes Sick. ideas. And my other friend, he's in accounting. Yeah, loves me. Not a music industry guy. And they would literally sit on a couch behind me, chill out, talk to each other while I sat there, and I'd turn around and be like, "That cool?" And they'd be like, "Sounds sick, bro." Yeah. Um, I love being, I love the, I love being a lonely creative. Um, I'm starting to be more collaborative and yeah. I'm starting to like to bounce ideas off of people. Um, but it's, it's very rare for me to have like a regular collaborator. Wow. Okay. It's, 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 it's very rare. I just, I like creating alone. There's a few, but I like creating alone or I like, adding i like when somebody says here i have something can you do something with this and let me do something with it yeah and giving it giving it back to them um yeah that's just that's just how it is i've never felt like lonely though i've never felt misunderstood i've I, and maybe i was misunderstood but i never felt the need to explain what i was trying to do to somebody got you that's so I may have wanted to them to understand, but if you don't understand, I'm not talking to you about it. You know, you're Fair. not the right. You don't understand. Yeah, absolutely. Like I, I have problems with pitches. Like if I need to pitch something because I need an investment or something like that, you know, 
I have problems with that because it's like, yo, I'm this is what I'm doing. Like you, you down? Or you're uh, not? I'm yeah. not <laughs> like you might want to just come hang out with me for a little bit and see what I do so that you can see it. But yeah, uh, if if it's if you're not down, I'm not gonna pitch you on it because I yeah. don't need you to understand it. I just need you to. I don't need you to understand. I just need you to believe in in, in what I'm what I'm gonna do. Yeah, for sure. Problem doing that with my team. Like I'll do a bunch of shit and then be like, yo, it's out, it's done. They're like, yo, bro, we need to, you need to help us out here. And I'd be like, well, yeah, but I wanted to do it myself. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's kind of a toxic trait of mine, to be honest. But um I have like kind of the right type of people around me now that that understand. So they know when to, they kind of know when to clue into me. Like, yo, you're doing this, right? Yes, I am. Okay, cool. We'll get the other stuff done. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what a team, Yeah, a good team is for, right? Like a good team, not just a team, a good team. And like, we're like, we're at a point now where like, I think I would say you're, you're very established. When you were starting out, did you say yes to every opportunity that came your way? Yes. Because you're like, I need to get my foot in the door, like name out, whatever. Um, yeah, I just say, I still kind of say yes to everything. Oh, shit. So, yeah. Okay. I'm just like, I'm, I, I, I say yes to everything and I try it out once, you know, if, it, if, it, if it seems, you know, if it seems feasible, you know, if it seems like, okay, let's see, you know, I, I, I don't shut, I try not to shut the doors to any opportunity, any and all opportunity, just because you know, you never know. You never know. So I, I'm very open to whatever opportunities come through and I'll give it a chance. Yes. What, even if it's just a chance to like have a conversation about it and see what yeah. it is, you know, and then, you know, but I will, I'll, I'll very rarely point blank say no to something. Yeah. Like I'll be like, Oh yeah. Okay. What's a, you know what what's your management doing with your stuff um what are your plans like if somebody wants to do a song yeah. okay cool um you know i'll check the following if the following is like not anything to speak of okay cool um where are you from what's your story why are you you know what's you know what kind of a song do you want from me what do you think you can do with a song for me you know like wow. you're gonna pay me to yeah. do a song yeah okay that's cool I'll take your money, but that's not like my MO is never to take money from people. If I don't think that they're, it's going to be worth it for them. I I'll, be like, I'll just be like, yo, it's not worth it for you to spend X amount of dollars on me right now because you're, it's going to fall to the wayside. You might have fucking fantastic song. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're just, you're, I don't think it's worth it for you right now to, to, you know, to, to do that. I think you should, you know, write the song yourself or find some friends and write, write it together and b- build up so that when you have the opportunity to, you know, when you have a great song, you know, you don't miss the boat on it, I guess. Um, and then sometimes I just do the song like, okay, let's see where it goes. Yeah. But I try not to do the, uh, I'll just take some money and go because uh, I've been victim to that. Like on a, I've been, you know, people have taken money from me when I was on the come up, you know, like, well, mix your thing. It's going to be the best mixed thing. And you give yeah. somebody like thousands of dollars and, you know, it's like, it's a waste of money. And I'm, I'm, yeah. not, I'm not do that. 
actually my team now i met because of that they like this so my artist brian he wanted me to write i don't know a couple of songs for him mm-hmm. he's a dancer amazing artist um he's transitioning from like being a big choreographer to an artist that's so so his manager hit me he was like yo let's do this so i i met with them and i was like yo you're gonna pay me this much i'm gonna give you these songs and i'm gonna go my way and you're gonna get yours and none of us are going to get any further than we were t- the, we are today wow you know, there's not so what about this you don't pay me um but i'll do all the songs for you I'll do the whole album yeah and, and then in return we are we do a label together i'll put the records we'll put the records out together and then when we reach a certain point of you paying me for the songs i've done we'll just split everything 50/50 yeah right and then if i have opportunities that you can be a part of you know you're those are your opportunities and then when you have opportunities you're there you know you can funnel to me and like let's just build let's build online let's build our rapport with each other and let's <clears throat> let's just be friends that work together and let's just see where that goes that's crazy i i love that you brought that up because I'm going to wrap up part one here because I want to hear about that in part two. And I think that's such a good segue into part two. So August, thank you. We're picking up this conversation again for the the innovation portion.